Welcome in to News Made Simple for May 12th, 2022. We want to thank our sponsor, Bitbox O2 Hardware Wallet, which is the sexiest hardware wallet of all the hardware wallets out there. Mm. And um, also Movies Plus, go watch a bunch of Bitcoin documentaries there and ETC, etc. But uh, yeah, let's let's jump into it. So there's a couple things to talk about. There is the Luna news and then also uh, Phil. Go ahead. What did you want to get into? Oh, well, CPI is at whatever record high. Yeah. Whatever percent. Who knows? Who cares? I actually forgot about that happened until someone brought it up in the spaces I was on yesterday. I'm like, oh, well, we we knew it was screwed. But that whole thing is really kind of forcing one, the Fed to actually cramp down down on inflation because they're not screwing around, as I've already talked about before. And and it's also causing Christine Lagarde to come out and say, hey, we are going to actually stop QE and we are going to start raising rates. And it's just revealing how these Devosians like Davos, EU people, people that are just trying to manipulate the world to their liking based on their Keynesian agenda and their models. It's really blowing up in their face and they are stuck with nothing else but to face reality of what's actually happening and just face face the music and basically taking the the just following the example that pal was trying to to lay out i i predicted last week or i just had a guess that equities would rally after the announcement of a, a point or a 50 basis point rise last week which we did get hells yeah and we're seeing the dollar uh, escape from the eu back into equities now the day after there was tanking and i think it was basically just european money flooding in like oh my gosh the eu is literally trying to kill us ukraine as of yesterday announced that they have cut off oil like sending their oil to the european union and this is all just because oh well putin's doing this and that and i i don't even know but they're trying to hurt themselves to let people know that we are serious and we're going to win this. But regardless, yes, you saw some capital flight come out of Europe and equities went up like the day and slash day after, I think the announcement. And then it just kind of tanked because I think it was just a repricing and people were trying to figure out, you know, if the Fed's actually going to do this, then it's going to kill off a bunch of malinvestment zombie companies and people are going to step back run to dollars and just analyze, hmm, where am I going to put this? Because capital flows to where it's treated best. And I think that's another reason why you're seeing the 10-year treasury at three point whatever percent, because people are selling debt. They're selling debt to run to dollars. And now they're just going to step back and they're buying the dips, not in just Bitcoin, but in everything else. And I think time is just going to play out, but this is that reallocation of capital and people realizing that this low interest rate funny money bullshit is exactly that it is bullshit it is not working it has not worked it's only worked on paper and now we're just seeing the hens come home to roost and what happens from here is quasi predictable because the dollar is going to fail eventually even if it's by deflation you're just going to have it see uh, have that implode and I think this is where everybody in the world runs to Bitcoin and puts Bitcoin on their treasury. When that happens, no one knows. 
but that's pretty much what's playing out. You're seeing capital fight. You're seeing the elites, the oligarchs, just trying to scramble and do exactly what is necessary because their Keynesian agendas are, are failing. They'll come back to them, but they're just trying to say what they need to say, but also take the say action of, of tightening. Exactly. Dude, I, I, as soon as I said that, that came into my head. But even the oligarchs, <laughs> Greece, they could actually do like a Grexit because their imports and just geolocation is so vital to Europe. And even some of the Greek oligarchs came out and said to Christine Lagarde or whoever was saying, you can't ship any more oil or any other products to Russia or people that deal with Russia. And like money talks. And even if these oligarchs are tight at the WEF, it doesn't matter because they like their position. This is just the same example of why the Fed and the banks and Wall Street are standing up and tightening and proving credit worthiness because they don't want to follow the Davos agenda because they want to keep the, what power they have, the money transmi- me- transmission mechanism. And the same thing goes for Greek oligarchs because they have clout, they have power, they run whatever they, they ship, export, just they have prime real estate where they're at and the EU needs them. And so you're actually starting starting to see people at the helm, I guess, if you want to call it, speak out against this globalist catastrophe that is being pushed from the Devosian agenda. So that's kind of like a huge kind of world picture of what's happening. And as we'll get into with Terra Luna, having that blow up is, I mean, we can get into conspiracy theories about this. I haven't really put a lot of thought into it. And I just kind of haven't put in, put a lot of thought towards this thing to begin with because I knew it was just bullshit and funny money, but you're seeing it falling and having a prime example. Maybe it was through Gensler or other insiders on in DC, just maybe playing the market and trying to intentionally implode this project with their money, maybe to buy more Bitcoin or also to just say this example, we need to swoop in and be the protectors of the public. Like we have for decades and arguably centuries because we are the special uh, people and the central life planners that know better. And of course they don't care about us. They just want to be able to control capital. And so this whole trying to pass all these sanctions and prevent capital flight and passing these new regulations are a prime example of we are seeing Davos just be at their knees scrambling to control what power that they still have. And this passing of $40 billion or whatever it was to keep the war in Ukraine going is kind of like their last ditch effort amongst uh, amidst CPI being at 8.3, whatever percent it is. I mean, it's kind of their last ditch effort to throw in money in this slush fund thing to get whatever investment they have left because they know that people are going to wise up to it and say, Hey, we don't want to be part of this war. This is, now becoming a civil war economically and everybody. So it all is connected. That is, it's the monetary contagion of just the manipulation of people at the helm. And even though Bitcoin's low, everything, everything else is low. This is just people running to dollars and just coming to terms and trying to be stoic and think clearly, maybe saying that is giving them too much credit, but them just realizing, hey, where am I going to put my money next? And that's where Bitcoin wins.
take it away, whoever's turn it is. Dude, Bitcoin you, always wins. Bitcoin does always win. You opened up so many cans of worms there, Phil. I don't even know which one to start with. Uh, so I suppose the big news is CPI came in at, what was it, 8.5%? So it's actually, has it decreased? Was it 89 in the last monthly meeting? Whatever it is, just tack on 10 more. Yeah, because that's the real number. The, the real number they're not telling you about is uh, on ShadowStats' website and the real inflation rate is up at around 18 or 19%. So um, there, there could be a lot of volatility in the CPI inflation metric. I actually wouldn't be surprised if it uh, come down a little bit over the next couple of months because it does work off like a 12-month rolling basis. And I think 12 months ago last uh, was it May or June? That's when inflation actually started picking up over four to five to six percent. So I, I think we could see some volatility in the index. But Phil, you nailed it. It's just a continuation of the same trend. <laughs> You're going to see, in my opinion, CPI continue to increase for the rest of the decade, and it'll be very volatile. But we're just watching the death of fiat currency, and the closer we get to the end game, I think the more volatile things will get. And like you're saying, Phil, I think capital will flow to the US dollar and Bitcoin. Yeah. And again, those are what's happening now with regulations, restrictions is them trying to use whatever powerful tools that they think they have to maintain what power that they still have. And so it's just them being afraid. Like they lost a long time ago. This is just them saying the quiet parts out loud through their actions. They're figuring it out. Are they're, they're starting to admit that they are losing. Yeah. They smelled their own farts for far too long and they're realizing they're bullshit. Hey, but if your farts smell good, why don't you just sit in them? I mean, everyone likes their own brand, but hey, I wonder. I wonder if all their farts smell the same. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, if you go to, I mean, know, eating babies probably does the same thing to your body as the next guy who eats babies. So maybe they all have the same odor. <laughs> well, you got to think too. You have, um, you know, the evil of the world, and they smell like sulfur. So there you go. Well, speaking of, of uh, speaking of shit, I think, Phil, you brought it up earlier. You kind of touched on it there, talking about Terra Luna. I suppose we should break that news down because we've watched like a top six, quote unquote, blue chip cryptocurrency lose $40 billion of market cap in the past week. So maybe should we just dive straight on into that, explaining what Luna is and what the UST stablecoin is? Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, because let's look at what is going on at the moment so luna has gone yeah, go from ahead. you explain you explain luna while i get this information pulled up yeah so essentially uh your stable coins can either be collateralized or they can be algorithmic so for example usdc is 100 percent backed by uh, us treasury bills so it's a collateralized stable coin and tether's the same but it's a little bit different because it's not fully backed but it is, again, one of those collateralized stable coins where they supposedly hold 70% of reserves backing up every USDT. Now, Luna is a little bit different. Luna works off a completely different system called an algorithmic stable coin. So it kind of works on the assumption that $1 of UST will always equal $1 of USD. So how they get that and how they do that is they have two tokens. So they have the UST stablecoin that's try, they, they try to peg it at a dollar and then they have um, Luna. So Luna is how you get the USD. So essentially um, they have this kind of mechanism that 
as more and more people pile into the UST, uh, what that does is it burns uh, the lunar supply. So this kind of mechanism, it's a, it's a lot like a Ponzi scheme. It works when the price of lunar continues to go up and more and more people are piling into the UST stablecoin. But as soon as you see a market crash and the price of lunar starts decreasing, and if you get somebody who just attacks the peg just a little bit and shakes confidence in the stablecoin, if you have people selling the stablecoin and people selling the thing that it's supposed to kind of uh, be working with, the lunar shitcoin, um, it just creates a massive cascade. So that's essentially what we've seen over the past week. You've watched Luna go from $120 to zero. It is literally, I think it's five cents at the moment. So $35 billion of market cap completely evaporated and gone. I mean, an absolute meltdown. And right now it is sitting at 37 cents the UST to USD. Wow. And like, I remember with like Monday seeing maybe Dylan LeClaire say something like, you know, if it, if it gets too close to 98 cents, it's, it's a, a big problem. Like, I think it was at 98.5 and it was like, this is when 98.5 cents is whenever we start to see a problem. And so all of a sudden it, I mean, I think I texted you guys, at some point, and I checked. I was like, "Holy shit!" It's at seventy-five, um, and so that put the alarm bells off in my mind. Actually, of like, you know what? Like, I actually had, uh, I had a, a a situation where I had it sucked because the because Bitcoin was dipping, and I had to for cash flow purposes sell some Bitcoin so that I could you know, pay for something. And then when the new cash came in, I was going to repl- replenish the Bitcoin. So I was sitting there like at 31 and I was like, I'm getting totally screwed. I'm going to get hosed here. Cause it like, of course, dipped down. I'm selling the bottom. Um, fortunately, I don't know. It was like 29 or 29 and a half. Whenever I was able to buy back in, you know, it was like a 24 hour period, but like I, I was sitting there like, you know what, maybe it would have been a good idea to hold here for a minute because the looking at the macro environment, I realized that this whole thing could unravel. And when I, everybody was pointing out whenever, you know, Do Kwan uh, was moving all of their Bitcoin reserves, would they move like a thousand or how many Bitcoin did they have? Like 40,000? Oh, I forget. $1.5 billion of Bitcoin. And they moved it from their wallet to Binance. And everybody was like, and here we go. (laughs) Um, Clinch. And I mean, frankly, I think that is what you know obviously caused the uh the the big drawdowns now there's two elements to that which is why i think it's impressive how bitcoin's held up through this um but um but it it just goes that like yes this is speaking to some influencers directly out there um and luke you are always the one to tell me you're like hey you know play nice don't you know try to like pull me back rein me in but like seriously Whenever you're out there and you are shilling this absolute garbage, and I won't say who was shilling it, but let's just say bang, bang, somebody was shilling it, and um, and it's so irresponsible. And for somebody like him to be in the space as long as he's been, 
he knows that it's a, it's a scam. He knows it's a fraud. And I don't know. I just, I mean, even like, did you guys see the clip of, of Peter McCormick on with pomp and, and, uh, and pomp was trying to explain it to him. And Peter was like, and it's just kind of sounds like a scam, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he just basically said that. And like, Pomp was like, well, no, no, because what's really cool about it is you do. And it's like, dude, come on. Like, this isn't, this isn't a joke. Like this is real. This is, this is people's livelihoods. So if you live off the, if you live off of the shit queen casino and that's how you make your living and you can, you can sleep at night with that, then that's, that's on you. Um, you know, you've got to reckon that with yourself and with your maker. So put it on you. It's, it's up to you if that's how you want to live. But I just, I, I, I love all the people that were calling this out immediately, which my, my fellow Corey gang member, Corey Clipston, I mean, he doesn't make a lot of friends with the way with the fact that he calls stuff out, but like the dude's batting pretty damn near a thousand, uh, especially over the last couple of years. And he's, he called it out. Um, like Brad Mills was calling out. There's tons of people that are calling it out, but it's just, it's a shame that, uh, there wasn't, uh, you know, there's people with such big pl- platforms and, you know, we've said it before, like, okay, pump is good at the top of the funnel and brings people in and you know he was the top of the funnel for me too as well but that's also a problem because there's there's a danger to having that much misinformation for somebody the moment they step in the door and i don't know it's just i cringed whenever doquan was on his pod and i i mean i don't watch it but i saw somebody post a clip where he doquan was like we want to be we want to hold the most bitcoin besides satoshi it was like get over yourself dude like give me a break like if you want to do that like somebody like michael saylor who you know has a company that provides value and earns money then go for it but if you were going to sit there and try to create something out of thin air and then brag about how you want to be more like of course i want to have more bitcoin than anybody but satoshi like who doesn't you can't just do that by scamming people anyways i've said my piece that's the that's the uh, that's the summary of it it's a scam it's a scam oh shitcoin's a scam anything that's not decentralized or anything that can be attacked in any way shape or form i expect it to be attacked over the next decade because people can make money out of attacking these scams so again that's why i always go back and say hey look it's bitcoin and then there's the 18 thousand other shit coins out there if you're new to the space and even if you're watching very reputable and very smart people who have large channels shilling a token and the tokens in the top 10 of the quote-unquote cryptos and you have all these institutions labeling it a blue chip cryptocurrency it's not like luna was number six on coin market cap and that was only a week ago it was number six worth 40 billion dollars today it's worth zero so obviously um, don't listen to the don't listen to the noise. Focus on the signal. Look at the actual facts and the underlying fundamentals. Uh, Bitcoin has two hundred thousand node runners all around the world. It's been attacked multiple times and it hasn't changed. Um, there's Bitcoin and then there's the other twelve thousand shit coins that are all centralized. What are your thoughts, Phil? I'm so confused on even how it worked because I think that's still. Interesting. I like to imagine that it's just a copy paste approach to what already happens in fiat markets, traditional markets. And let's be honest, like that's what shit coins are, are fiat. But I kind of want to know who actually 
did this and whose idea I heard that somebody called this out in, in a tweet thread like months ago or maybe yeah months ago and I wish I knew who it was but someone did a, a thread on hey if you're looking for a vulnerability in this network this is where it is and this is what could happen and I think it would take someone like a whale to take advantage of this or even someone like that's working at the company or for the project themselves. So I wonder if y'all know anything about that, what the main vulnerability, am I saying that right? Vulnerability was. And also let's kind of dive into like the incentive behind this. I heard basically, did they use their own shitcoin to buy a ton of Bitcoin in order to have that Bitcoin just tab Bitcoin or to actually have the Bitcoin backing that peg? Because I also heard that was a theory. And really, could this have been like choreographed by someone at the SEC or someone at the SEC or whoever, whatever um, or organization went in and basically like paid off someone within Terra Luna to have this happen because I still just read it back to this was intentionally done to have a catastrophe and say the crypto market's dangerous. And then additionally, how can I've heard this from other people on Twitter too? How can they turn this around and blame Bitcoin for all, all this mess? Well, I mean, how quickly, you know, like you were saying, how quickly Janet Yellen's out there saying, you know, I think we need to, this is further proof why we need to be able to regulate and protect people. They're always want to protect people. Yeah. You know, they're always looking for people's best interest. Um, so I think that that is uh, a little curious. Um, but yeah, I think basically they, in, they brought on investors and used the investors' money to buy the Bitcoin um, with their own Terra, if I know if I correct it's, there, it's a Ponzi scheme. So the mechanism works as long as the price of Luna is increasing. So Luna pumped all throughout 2021. Um, it gone from like a dollar to a hundred dollars. And what's really important is there's a third part of this little, uh, we'll call it a little triangle. So you had the UST stablecoin, you have the Luna. Okay, so that's how that's how you get your US dollars when you want to actually redeem your UST. You get Luna and you, so for example, if you have a hundred dollars worth of UST and you want to redeem that and get dollars, USD dollars, what they give you is a hundred dollars worth of Luna. So if Luna is priced at $50 per Luna and you want to redeem 100 UST, what you do is you, you sell your 100 UST and they give you two Luna and then you sell your two Luna and that's how you get your hundred dollars. So that's how the peg works. Right. And what happened? You go. Oh, I was I was agreeing. Sorry, should have been on mute. But there is this part of the arbitrage play as well? Because I heard yes. that was a big deal. All right, continue, sir. Yeah. So I mean, like if if the UST peg starts to break down and it starts to go to 99 UST, 98 UST, what's supposed to happen is arbitrages step in and say, hey, I'm gonna buy a shit ton of UST. And when they buy a shit ton of UST, what it's supposed to do is it actually burns the supply of Luna. So if you burn the supply of Luna, there's less tokens, 
the price of Luna goes up and therefore there's more dollars as the price of Luna goes up. There's more US dollars for the people to redeem for the increased demand of the UST. So the mechanism works as long as the price of Luna is continuing to grow up. So you've got more and more US dollars that's redeemable for the people who want to uh, sell their UST. But the problem is we're in this kind of quote unquote mini bear market, as I'm going to call it, because I don't think we have these traditional uh, 18 month bear markets where Bitcoin crashes 85% anymore. We're in a mini bear market and you've got a, a shitstorm for Luna. So um, obviously the Luna price has been crashing a lot. And when the Luna price is crashing a lot and a lot of people are trying to sell UST, the Ponzi scheme doesn't work. That's where shit breaks down. It's, and so it's essentially a Ponzi scheme. You need more and more people coming in to actually keep the peg fixed. So where does the purchasing of Bitcoin fit into all of this? Like, how, for, first of all, how do they purchase all the Bitcoin with what money? Yeah. And so then when, when did they start selling it? So, so the peg actually broke in 2021. The UST Luna peg broke in 2021. And that's why Do Kwon set up this thing called LFG, the Luna Foundation something. But essentially, that's what they used to go out there and buy Bitcoin. And they also bought some shit coins like Solana and Avalanche um, to kind of use as reserves. So when the peg actually starts to break in the UST peg breaks, and if the price of Luna is crashing, their idea is, okay, we need another asset to sell to defend that peg when shit starts going south. So shit started going south a week ago when um, there's this thing called the anchor protocol. So this anchor protocol, sorry, this anchor protocol is another shit coin and it's on obviously the Luna blockchain. And what they were doing were they were saying, hey, look, come and deposit your UST, your UST stablecoin in Anchor, and we'll give you 18% yield on it. So naturally, people were piling into that trade all throughout 2021. People were getting 18% on their UST. And as more and more people were coming in and buying the UST to get that 18% yield, guess what happened? Obviously, Luna is getting burned. So you're minting UST stablecoins and you're burning Luna. That's the mechanism. So what happens when you burn the supply of Luna? Price goes up. That's why you're in a bull market for all of 2021 uh, with that shitcoin Luna. It was essentially this artificially manipulated bull market. But what happened was a week ago, people started withdrawing their UST from Anchor because they're a little bit worried about rumors circulating. There was the peg weakened a little bit a week ago and people like, oh shit, I want out. And $5 billion flowed out of Anchor last weekend. And that was like 30% of all the UST that was staked into this staking protocol. And that's obviously when shit started going south. So it starts going south when the price of UST drops. Because if the price of UST drops, then there's more Luna that doesn't get burned. Yep. So if the price of UST is dropping... That means um, you've got people who are supposed to come in and buy UST, the arbitrages, and that's and that obviously, um, what does that do? If you're getting more and more UST, um, you obviously burn Luna. But if you're getting less and less UST, you're dumping supply of Luna onto the market. You're essentially mm-hmm. 
hyperinflation. Yeah, yeah, and that's what you've seen with Luna. It's um, it's it's um, <laughs> hyperinflated essentially. They they IMF loan sharks themselves. Exactly. And so they started selling Bitcoin to, I guess, have capital to buy more UST. Or when and why did they start selling Bitcoin? Pretty much, yeah. You nailed it. To buy more UST and defend that peg because the price of Luna was absolutely dropping and cratering. So they needed uh, the Bitcoin, the Avalanche, and the Solana as kind of a backup treasury. Right. So it's like they were doing their own like stock buybacks by selling Bitcoin. Exactly. So the issue is under collateralized pegs. When you have these artificial algorithmic pegs, they're always going to break. Wow. So funny. I mean, it's not sad, but like, I mean, it was just like two weeks ago that Doquan was like, I want to have more Bitcoin than everybody but Satoshi. And then like, whoops, he had to sell it. Like, whoops. That was had to had to had to take it off of uh I don't know where they had it, um, but they put it on the Binance, which this will be a good time to just do a quick shout out to Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Get one of those at shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin made simple and use the promo code Bitcoin made simple to get five percent off and take your coins off of the exchanges, please. Um, this is not a drill, people. If you noticed, um and we can go back to this, or we can touch on this after we wrap up with the Luna stuff. But notice that little love letter that uh, Coinbase sent out to everybody. This ties into getting your coins off the exchanges and hmm. putting it in your Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Five um, percent off with pro- promo code Bitcoin Made Simple. Um, but uh, yeah, Coinbase let out a little love letter to everybody that said, "Hey, FYI, if we go bankrupt, uh, the Bitcoin that is." quote unquote yours on our exchange uh we will keep that that's ours <laughs> so uh fyi if you have your bitcoin on any exchange take it off right now but uh back to luna just on and, coinbase too yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are saying oh no but don't worry it's just a precautionary text <laughs> and an update to the sec filing there's nothing to see here but guess what Coinbase is fucking insolvent. They just posted a $400 million loss for quarter one, 2022. You think it's a coincidence that their stock price is down like 90% since the listing. They have a $400 million loss and then they update their filing to the SEC saying, oh, if we are insolvent, we can confiscate everybody's Bitcoin. Yeah. What are the odds? I think I follow under this category of people that came to Bitcoin and then they start to learn how exactly the financial levers and policies and just you know the the plumbing and tools of work and these examples uh, basically the crypto world are prime examples of copy pasting what happens in the real world and if you weren't paying attention to like what was happening in uh in greece when they did the bail-ins because i mean i wasn't i've just heard about them but that's essentially what it is like coinbase will do a bail-in so fuck you. Like, wake up and s- smell the, the napalm. <laughs> and I, I think this is really, really valuable to people that are maybe younger and getting into the crypto world for the first time. And this only makes them eventually realize that they're going to get their hands burned if they haven't been burned already. And then it'll, it's just a, 
a prime example and selling point for Bitcoin itself because not your keys, not your coins, all that jazz. But uh, that that's been like the most valuable thing about learning about Bitcoin is I learned not so much about Bitcoin, but so much of how the world works and why it shouldn't work that way. So what do you guys think? I mean, we're looking at the price of Bitcoin right now and we're at 28,400. Did you guys we, think that would happen ever again? No, we were, we hit 25 something at like two o'clock or three o'clock Eastern this morning, but wow. I, I wish I would have had, I wish I would have <laughs> changed my orders to, to 25 instead of 29. I had a, I had three orders fill yesterday in 29, um, which usually I just actually just spot buy. Usually if I'm buying something. I just go in and buy it. But uh, I was like, I have a feeling it's going to dip a little bit. So I'm going to earn some extra sats here and, and be patient. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I mean, Luke, I'm curious to get your thoughts because you're the perma bull. Um, I, I tried to get Magoo on, but he is not available. So he said he can, we can have a chat with him here soon. Um, but uh, yeah, it's perfect time. By the way, on that thread, I was in a space last night saying they were like, "Hey, Phil, where's Luke? Where's where's Mr. Permable? How's he feeling?" Now? <laughs> it sounds like I need to pop into a few spaces then, because I'm still fucking bullish. I, I've been of the firm opinion that you're not going to have these prolonged 12 to 18 month bear markets where you know you have 85% corrections in Bitcoin and the price of Bitcoin just looks like it's dead. So in 2014, 2015, the price of Bitcoin was, you know, it bottomed out for like a 12 to 18 month period. You could have had a long time to buy the corn. For, I don't remember the exact uh, price range, but it was two to $300. And then it was the same thing in 2018. Bitcoin had an 85% correction from 20,000 to 3,000. And you had like a long six month, six to eight month opportunity to buy in the 3,000 lows. I don't think you're going to see that ever again. I've been of the firm opinion that um, of that since 2021, when everybody, we were all talking about stock to flow and models. And I said, no, 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 models are dead. Models are over. The billionaires are here. The models are over. I did think that the models were going to break on the upside, not the downside. Um, but obviously I also said we'd have correlation to the equity markets and that's what we've had. Um, and even if we do get one of these really large corrections, I think it's going to be just like the 2020 crash. I think any bear market you see in Bitcoin where you get a large 70 or 80% correction, I don't think it's going to be like the 2018 or the 2015 bear markets where you get this long six to 12 month opportunity to buy the bottom or somewhere close to the bottom. I think you've got large players who will aggressively be stacking the dip. And I think that's what you've seen when Bitcoin spiked down to 25K, when Bitcoin spiked to 28K. Naib Bukele came out and said, hey, look, we just bought another. How much Bitcoin did he buy the other day? Was it 50 million or he, he bought another? 40, but whatever. Yeah. 40 million? Yeah. But that's what I expect to see every time the price of Bitcoin has one of these crashes. You're, you're watching nation states buying the dip quietly buying the dip so i just um i'm still very very bullish i don't think that bitcoin's going to have one of these prolonged 12 to 18 month bear markets going forward because and i I, any correction you get that's bigger than 60 percent 
I think it's going to be like a flash crash like 2020. It's a long ramble, but that's yeah, my Luke, thoughts. That's interesting because I'm curious. The Fed's going to keep raising rates. Mm. And you're probably going to see more capital flight, but I think I think I'm taking this from Magoo partially, but I was also in a in a real vision spaces yesterday, which was actually really um, really helpful, surprising, enlightening. They had Jim Bianco and the CEO of Celsius, but they were they were talking about real stuff because Dylan Leclerc actually DM'd the the host a, a question about is there such thing as Terra Luna contagion. And long story short, any contagion that is there is going to take a while to play out. And that's why I think that in addition to rate hikes continuing is we're just going to see more suppression because what they're trying to do with raising rates is they have to force a recession, which will probably maybe turn into a depression, but they're doing that to the feds doing that to again, increase the strength of the dollar and just do a, their version of a great reset and not Davos's and just to demand, just quell demand and re reset where demand should be asset prices be damned. But they use the example of when Lehman brothers went down, you know, eight, but then it took until 2009 for the economy to really crumble. And so I think we might be seeing the beginning of that maybe and so maybe we keep seeing bitcoin kind of crab walking to where it is now maybe it goes lower i don't really know because bitcoiners are pretty bullish and they'll probably scoop up cheap sats when they can so maybe it's not too late for Corey to put in more more limit orders for the 25 range or so but i think this could actually take a lot longer to see bitcoin rally again if it's meant to be whenever that's going to be but this is definitely buying opportunity, not just for Bitcoin, but even like hard, real assets that people want and need in, in general. Like milk and lumber. Yeah. Yeah, I, I um, I mean, I'm in a, <laughs> I'm always in a buy zone, um, but I'm in like the, just put it this way. There's a couple of business deals that owe me some like significant money. Um that I'm just, you know, patiently waiting on. And back whenever we were in like 40, 50, 60 range, I was like, ah, man, I really hope that, uh, that money comes in before we hit like a hundred K. But, uh, but now I'm like salivating and like texting those people like, Hey, any update on that deal? Cause I know exactly where that money is going. Um, so hopefully, Hopefully we trade sideways until that point. But I did. I feel like I kind of brought this on because I have said multiple times I wanted to see what happens when Michael Saylor's underwater, um, and they're underwater right now. Because the, uh, uh, the one me- I know that he was talking to, you know, other billionaires and you know CEOs, but like one of the mess the messaging I didn't like. I heard him at one point say something like, "Oh look, I told a bunch of." you know, of these, you know, people that own these companies, like, Hey, if you want to make a billion dollars, just buy Bitcoin and put it in, um, and, and, and sit on it for a little bit of time. And I was like, eh, I don't know if that's the right message. Um, 
you know, because he definitely enjoyed a meteoric rise. <laughs> like, you know, he bought four hundred million worth or whatever, and it just took off. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of disagree. I, I think if you do buy a billion dollars of Bitcoin, it's just simple maths. The more and more people that try to buy a billion dollars, price will rise. You sit on it for a year or two, you're good to go. Um, I, I think a lot of people are talking about Sailor and him being underwater and, oh, what happens if Michael Sailor gets liquidated? Lots of people are talking about this $21,000 price level, saying, oh, if Bitcoin goes to $21,000, Sailor gets liquidated. And obviously, I think Sailor came out a day or two ago and he, he put out a pretty detailed tweet saying, no, 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 no. I only have a Bitcoin collateralized loan for like $205 million. Um, for that to be liquidated, um, price of Bitcoin has to go to like $3,000. Um, so I just think, yeah, the, the FUD about um, Michael Saylor being liquidated, it's, it's bullshit. It's all it is. It's FUD. Um, I think, I mean, but this is a good time for people to remember to not use leverage. To buy Bitcoin, mm. um, because <coughs> um, I mean it's uh, you could have a flash crash, you know what I mean? Like, and if you if you think the longer you're in, the the more immune you are. I don't know. I mean, I know Bitcoiners that I've talked to, and like it's it gets dangled in front of people, and they're like, oh, I have enough Bitcoin, I can risk a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're staring at the possibility of either having to post more sats to cover yourself or um, or your Bitcoin's gone. Yeah, I can tell you what, I'm sleeping pretty easy at night. I think there's even a lot of Bitcoiners out there who are maximalists who um, have some leverage stacks. I've been having some conversations with some pretty well-known Bitcoiners who have uh, stacks of Bitcoins uh, leveraged and they, they're getting margin calls at the moment. So um, I'm sleeping easy. I'm sitting on a nice small uh, US dollar um, stockpile, and I've been loving buying the dip. Great, I think it's great advice. Don't don't use leverage, and you know, not your keys, not your cheese. So, were you holding cash, hoarding cash at the moment to wait for a dip? Yeah, I, I've been in cash since sixty one k. How? Uh, what percentage cash to Bitcoin? So I'm like 95% Bitcoin and I keep like 5% of cash, which is like pretty much, you know, like a six to 12 month kind of living expense. That's how I view it. Like I have 12 months worth of emergency funds uh, slash living expenses. And um, yeah, I just pretty much um, obviously hold some of that. And obviously if Bitcoin gets super cheap. I'm buying fucking Bitcoin super cheap. Um, and like, like I get, you go. I was going to say, and you just start plowing that 5% back in. Yeah, and since 61K, I, I've kind of been getting like monthly paychecks and I just kind of been sitting that aside in cash since 61K because the market was obviously bearish. Like if you break out above that 65K all-time high and you retest it and you fail that retest, it's obviously not good. It's a change in trend. So um, I've kind of been, you know, short-term bearish since we lost 61k what? short I thought term. you you you're nothing but ba- you're wow this is the most bearish sentiment ever if luke <laughs> mickich is bearish then we're in trouble folks so i go i go from being 99 all in bitcoin to 95 all in bitcoin 
Um, I have a little bit more rainy day cash funds. I'm not sure if that's bearish, but that's how I that's how I rock and roll. Just to touch on the Taylor thing, I think it is a little irresponsible because I'm still of the opinion that he did this for marketing and to just boost up MicroStrategy again. Bitcoin was a prime opportunity for him to do that. And the people that he was pitching this idea to, yes, maybe some of them put Bitcoin on their treasury. I mean, you can go to Rodolfo Novak's like Bitcoin treasury companies.com, whatever the hell it is. But also realize that I think there was a lot of fiat money behind this as well. And I mean, the price of their stock went up and people looked at that as a Bitcoin derivative. And then for it to tank, I mean, I wonder how many people's money were at stake and how many of them feel just kind of like burned and betrayed. Like the real thing, I I guess their real loss is not understanding what Bitcoin is and not buying Bitcoin just directly instead of using MicroStrategy as a quasi ETF for it. But then again, you can't expect these people that have been in the legacy system for so long and are stubborn in their old ways to buy into Bitcoin and see that see it for what it is. And so not that Saber was being disingenuous. I just think that it was reckless, which goes back to don't leverage your Bitcoin. Don't be stupid. Be sitting on, on fiat because really until I think the dollar dies, cash is, is king or until assets get repriced as they should. Cash is always going to be a king, but it's nice if most of your cash is Bitcoin. But not Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin. Yeah, fuck Bitcoin Cash. Um, I think it's really interesting uh, that the FASB accounting, um, I'm just reading this tweet at the moment, but essentially that FASB accounting trick has just kind of been changed in the past day or so. so what I is that? that? So it essentially talks about how uh, corporate treasuries um, use accounting tricks for their balance sheet. So Michael Saylor's, he's famously talked about this FASB accounting uh, regulation being very bad for uh, corporations that come in and stack Bitcoin on their balance sheet because I believe, I'm not an expert in this pleb, so please uh, correct this on Twitter if I fuck it up, but essentially um, it fucks up with your balance sheet and your quarterly reportings with Bitcoin because the way they track Bitcoin or measure Bitcoin is they take the lowest uh, reading in a quarter. So if Bitcoin crashed really, really low, uh, the Bitcoin that's on Sailor's balance sheet kind of gets marked to market at the lowest price that Bitcoin was during that entire quarter. So I think that's how the FASB thing previously worked. And Sailor was like, obviously, corporations don't want to hold a treasury asset that can be predatorily marked a lot lower than it actually is due to some sort of flash crash or some sort of correction, Bitcoin's price is very volatile. So it's kind of seen as a a little bit of a risk holding Bitcoin on your balance sheet just because it plays around with your quarterly, um, your quarterly balance sheet accounting updates and shit like that. But that got changed in the past 24 hours, I think. Again, haven't looked into it deeply, but I think that's fascinating that that gets changed as everybody's talking fud about Michael Saylor, that kind of, hey, if I were to put my tinfoil hat on, that kind of really makes me think um, Michael Saylor could be on the side of the US government. Um, and if we want to get into conspiracy theories, maybe this could lead us down the path of who attacked stable coins and for what reason. 
I think there's a I think there's a, a two packed punch for why um, somebody attacked Terra Luna stablecoins. Um, obviously, the Occam's Razor um, explanation is just it was Wall Street bankers trying to make money. But I think it's I think there's two potential reasons of why it got attacked. One, obviously, it crashed the price of Bitcoin so that nation states and U.S. bankers can continue accumulating the dip. And I think the second reason could be um, you create FUD around all of the unbacked USD stable coins so that they all have to adopt a method like the USDC stable coin, which is made and backed by Square, which just had a $400 million um, cash injection by BlackRock, which is the Federal Reserve. So obviously I think... Um, they're your two reasons for why um, this lunar thing's been attacked. I think somebody's got a tap on the shoulder and said, hey, go and attack all of these unbacked stable coins so then we can put old Yoda lady Janet Yellen up in front of a camera and we can say, we can tell her to make all of the other stable coins back themselves with US treasuries just like USDC is. And that fixes the petrodollar breakdown. That fixes the Bretton Woods 3 era when nobody wants to buy US debt. So everybody's squealing and hollering and crying, saying, oh, the US dollar's going to die. Look at China. Look at Russia. Look at Saudi Arabia. Everybody's running away from US debt and the petrodollar system's going to break down. Well, I personally think that uh, the US has many tricks up its sleeve to uh, get people to buy US treasuries. And I think one of those tricks up their sleeve is making stable coins all around the world back themselves with US treasury debt, just like USDC is today. And that's $50 billion um, in size. So it's certainly not peanuts. And the stable coin market is growing rapidly. I think it was $5 billion only 18 months ago. Today, the entire stablecoin market is $180 billion. So destroying a stablecoin is the way that they strengthen stablecoins to strengthen the dollar? No, no, no. Destroy a stablecoin that is algorithmically unbacked. So you create FUD about unbacked stablecoins and you say, hey, look, your peg broke because you're unbacked. We need mm. to fix that. You can still be a stable coin, but you need to be like USDC over here. See how they're all safe and they're clean and they're KYC. And most nice. importantly, they're backed by US treasuries. Nice. So is anywhere in here like throwing Bitcoin into the mix and backing them with Bitcoin? I, I I don't think so. I think it's I think it's deployed by the U.S. government, the U.S. Fed to continually strengthen the U.S. dollar. And I think we're in a scenario where it's a uh, it's a it's a cold war at the moment. Um, you know, the financial war, the currency war. It's uh, you know, they, I've I've said this so many times, but they're going to throw the kitchen sink at us. You know, so like, don't I? You know, if the price of Bitcoin puked down to, you know, twelve k, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, there, that's the weird thing. Like, think about so how much they manipulate the market, and yet Bitcoin or Doquan sells. What did he have? Was it a thousand Bitcoin or ten thousand Bitcoin? Um, somebody check my math on that. What was the but whatever it was 
it was a huge portion of a, a huge chunk of Bitcoin and they dumped it and like Bitcoin actually held the line at like 27, 28, 29. That's, that's kind of impressive. I'm bullish as fuck. Everybody's fucking bearish and squealing and like this is this is a perfect storm to crush the price of Bitcoin and we're holding up at 27, 28, 29K, 28,185 if I look at the block clock to my left. I think um, like these shit coins are literally going to zero. Equities markets are absolutely puking and Bitcoin's holding up at 28K. And I would encourage anyone just to have a look at the massive volume. Every single time Bitcoin um, has dipped under 30K, somebody's buying the dip aggressively. And I, I continue to be ridiculously bullish. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I don't think it will, you know, puke lower. But um, I, w- I will say, I'm just curious what you guys think of this. You know, because whenever I, when I asked Magoo, when I had him on a couple months ago, um, if anyone hasn't heard that episode, go check it out. You can learn all you want to know about who Magoo is, except for who he actually is and where he lives. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I said, what was, I, I think one of the big things that he said he was using as a, an under why he called the drawdown is he was like, it was like market sentiment. Like there was just so much euphoria and, and hope, hopium. Um, and I kind of get that sense now. Like I kind of, I mean, you know, we're bullish right here, but like, you know, anytime the price would pump, I was getting that feeling. I kind of liken it to in, to make a sports analogy. Um, in hockey, like I would always call these like hope passes, where like you know players that were like really talented um, would make these passes that were like you know very low percentage chance of happening, but you could just feel it. They were like, I hope it happens, and they're like relying on their you know superior skills to you know allow it to go through. And so I was just like would tell people like don't we don't want to do hope passes we don't want to do make hope plays we want to make the smart play the right play and stay on and i felt like a lot of the discussion around bitcoin was a lot of like hopium you know i mean it was like holy crap the moment i mean you guys will see it on bitcoin twitter the moment the price goes up 1k everybody's like here we go here we go like ladders up you know bitcoin's like my dick only up and to the right um you know (laughs) and like it's just like people going nuts and you're like you know there's nothing wrong with celebrating but i don't know and i also get the the sense too that it's like sometimes i just want to say things like be like you know i feel like some of y'all are too reliant on bitcoin's price and it shows what if you know what, I mean? I, what if what if you're up into the left because you could be facing the left <laughs> And who's who's right? My right, your right. It's a matter of perspective. Hey, well, when you're as small as me, you don't bend either way. It's just a shriveled shrimp. But anyway, back on the uh, price talk, I actually, I, I think price talk is, I think price talking <laughs> is important. I think, I think price is the signal that Bitcoin adoption is increasing. Like it's as simple as. Um, Bitcoin has a cap supply and increasing price means there's more and more people coming into the market. So I think like 
I think it's uh, good to awaken the troops and awaken the normies when the price of Bitcoin is rising because it brings them into the space. And as soon as you've got their attention by saying, hey, look, hey, look, number go up, number go up. What's causing that? That's a beautiful little avenue for me that I use to get my foot in the door and say, hey, look, the reason the price of Bitcoin is going up is because it's this beautiful once in a species invention where it has a cap supply. It's the first time we've created a form of money that exhibits the properties of absolute scarcity. The reason that the price is going up, like I'm pointing at and squealing about and why we're all excited about is because more people are adopting this new emergent technology. Um, so like that's that, I'm probably one of those historical girls on Twitter who does um, uh, bull post and gets all very bullish when the price goes up. Um, but I like to reinforce the fact um, when I get a normie interested by the price, I shill the fundamentals of Bitcoin straight away. I think that's a good foot in the door approach that um, I'm probably guilty of using far too often. But obviously, yes, for us who once you understand the fundamentals of Bitcoin, you don't give a fuck about where the price is. I'm loving stacking this dip at 25K, but obviously it's, um, it's hard to get normies to understand um, what Bitcoin is without... Um, getting the interest peaked in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I mean, I, I will say I enjoyed seeing the amount of people come out and say that they are basically newly minted Bitcoin maxis mm-hmm. after seeing the absolute, you know, bloodbath that took place in the alt market, uh, the shark market, um, the sharket, but uh, sharket. But yeah, I mean, I think we probably have to wrap up here soon, right, Phil? You have to. Whatever. We, we've crushed all the news this week. And we could talk. What do you about guys want to? I mean, just in general, uh, do you think the hopium's gone? Do you think people have kind of like? Well, it is in regards to our bet that we had, Corey, because I think we both guessed that we the both price went would over. be above forty-one thousand, and uh, well, missed by a little bit. Yeah. So my new prediction now. For next week, um, uh, we're two weeks late for uh, News Made Simple, so maybe we doubling up for uh, for you know two weeks, double double or nothing. So double or nothing, let's do it. Luke, you're keeping track of this, right? Yeah, of course I am. You have one job. Yeah, one job. <laughs> you're killing so me, Smalls. I'm, Dude, I, I really don't know what to guess. Um, like I said, I think this might be a long drag. We might see more bleeding or at least a crab. So let's go power pivot. I'm I want a power pivot. I'm going under. Hal's not going to pivot, dude. This is the pivot. People expect that he's going to do bailouts. I like that. I this do is like pivot. that. What happens if power keeps raising rates and he hring Turkey, hyperinflates Sri Lanka, hyperinflates Lebanon? Well, have to adopt that might mean that there's capital that might mean there's capital flight. But after clear. that happens, everyone else in the US that's investing will get scared and the price of equities in Bitcoin will go down. Like what happened this week. Plus, well, the CPI report had people scared. So I think that's what ultimately kind of brought us to where we are, in addition to Terra Luna. But man, I I don't no, I don't know if it's stupid or conservative to go with like 31 at like most. Like a week from today, are we at 31? I don't even know. 
I think I'm so unexperienced in like markets in general. Yeah. It's like the first year I'm paying attention to how this shit works. So I don't have like all these notches under my belt from experience of gambling on markets. So I'm learning um, in real time, people. This is what you pay for. I'm going to go low. I, I think I'm going to, we might go under 28. Really? I'm going to stick with 31 then. I think, I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's funny because we've all been like, oh, it's still a bull market. It's still a bull market. And this whole time I wanted to ask. Dude, nobody's saying that. I am. I am. I've been firmly of the opinion. I I published that article in Bitcoin Magazine, November 2021. And I said, you will not see traditional 12 to 18 month bear markets moving forward that have 85% corrections with Bitcoin. I well, we've got like, you well, know, we now we have to change the definition of what bull market means. I think these are what bear markets look like in Bitcoin. Exactly. Read the article. I said bear markets moving forward have fundamentally changed. I expect to see four to six month bear markets where the dips are quick and Bitcoin's uh, bought up quickly, scooped off the exchanges because nation states are buying the dip. Well, I mean, this is kind of, I mean, we're, are you counting these as too many bear markets? Yep. Okay. Exactly. I, I published that article in like November 2021 when we we're in the 60k region. So obviously, we saw like a little mini bear market. We've seen another little mini bear market. Um, I just want to know from like plebs that have been here before because I'm you know class of 2020. So I'm like, when at what point in the bear market do you know you're in a bear market? You know, honestly, I'm at the point where I think that's irrelevant because what Bitcoin is doing is moving with the actual markets like the NASDAQ and whatever. Traditionally, when Bitcoin was a little thing, it would boom and it would bust. And that's because it was being, and I, I don't know how like junk bonds or uh, just uh, penny stocks trade, but I can imagine they traded like that. And that's why they were also so hypersensitive to the have happening. And I think now because it's becoming larger and being realized by institutions and is being able to be somewhat manipulated with features. I think that's really just moving with the greater market thing. And so until it completely decouples from legacy finance, then I think the quote unquote bears or the beginning of a recession, you can lump Bitcoin in with that or either that, or it just takes off. But yes, I agree that the traditional bear market cycles are done, but I think what Bitcoin does is that it's going to be, it's going to stay correlated with, the NASDAQ or even like gold. I think it might, the evolution will of its like trading movement might go from like tech stocks, NASDAQ, whatever, and then become more legit and people will treat it like gold and sorry, stream like gold. Cause it does like in some ways, uh, just from the market reports I watch from Tom Longo and what he does, and then eventually like moons. So that's how I see it. That time scale, I don't know how long that takes, like 10, 20 years. I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass, but that's Oof. that's how I see it. I'm a probably 12. probably longer because I've also heard Tom say that dollar's got two or three years. <laughs> so the dollar goes down. Hang on. Three years and it's L- over. Say that again. Luongo thinks the dollar's got two years. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he also had in mind like a civil war happening or world war three where this goes next. And I think maybe capital markets as we know it, or at least the dollar 
has maybe two to three years. I don't really know where he stands on that now. I heard him say that last week, but I don't know. It's just really revealing to hear someone say that this shit's only got a few years. So maybe he'll backtrack on that. And he's always awesome and transparent of like where he fucks up and where he's right and not. And I, uh, it was just kind of like a wake up because you had to zoom out and just not only think of things on the macro scale, but geopolitical and socially how people are being affected socially and like uprising because they don't want their kids learning about, you know, what they shouldn't be learning about whatnot. Sorry. I'm, I'm trying sorry. To, I'm trying I'm, to, I'm trying to stay the yeah. thread that needle there. You know? No, I, I hear you. Um, so, I mean, it's just kind of like the fall room. I guess. And so maybe that happens in two or three years. Maybe it doesn't. Who knows? You know, it's funny to. um, So speaking of Rome, um, you know, Jesus says, pay unto Caesar. What is Caesar's? Yeah. You know, and God was the gods. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's really funny about that is that that's actually basically Jesus, like making fun of government. Yeah, it is. Because he's like, He's like pay into theirs, uh, pay into them what what is theirs because they you know like they think this is important <laughs> you know like they think they own that yeah so there's yeah. a there's a podcast called the Anarcho Christian Podcast which basically makes the arguments that in the Bible Jesus was like the first anarcho capitalist yeah oh yeah I mean like I Jesus would be a Bitcoiner there's no doubt about it like he just wouldn't be a douchebag yeah he'd be uh, you know. He'd be like breed love without the bit clout. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Just kidding. Just kidding, Robert. I'm sure you're one of our listeners. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. That's where he gets all his deep word salads from. Yeah. Um, well, I've taken shots at Pomp and, uh, and breed love. I guess I'm not making friends today, but you know, hey, if you're going to try and take advantage of people and uh, take their money, then, you know, it's on you. Go uh, on, take money and run. But yeah, yeah, no, uh, definitely. I love, uh, I love, uh, you know, people go like, you know, why do you think money is religious and stuff like that? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, remember the time that like they were making the temple into a market and Jesus just flipped out, yeah. you know, the one time he like ever showed anger. Yeah. That, that, yeah. It's, I, I think, I think money is pretty important. And I think that's why we stick with saying the quiet parts out loud, because if you fix the money, you fix the world. And that's something that a lot of people don't want you to know. Yeah, it's a great place to wrap this episode. Um, it's a weekly edition of the Bitcoin Weekly News Made Simple on the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast Network. Brought um, to you by Luke's Bitbox. favorite. Go ahead, talk about it. Oh, my favorite, sexy, slick, and sleek Bitcoin uh, hardware wallet, the Bitbox O2. Oh my goodness, Coinbase, the largest exchange in the world, has literally come out and said, "Guess what." We're insolvent and your Bitcoin is not your Bitcoin. Get your Bitcoin into your own wallet. And we personally think that you should go grab a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet because it's the simplest. It's the easiest hardware wallet to use out of all of them. I've used them all. I've used a cold card ledger, Trezor. I've used the desktop wallets like Electrum and Spectre. And the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet is the easiest of them all to use. So you can get, is it? Five percent off if you use a promo code Bitcoin Made Simple. 
Go grab one. Shiftcrypto.io. Go check it nope. out. No, no, no. Shiftcrypto.ch. Slash Bitcoin made simple. What does the Sorry. CH stand for? What domain is that? Zurich. Oh, no, okay. Zurich. Switzerland. Why do I think it's IO? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, CH, my best friend from college is from, he might be a listener. I don't know. Billy, if you're a listener, text me. Because, uh, but, um, but uh, yeah, my best friend from college is from Switzerland, so I've I've always likened it. I don't know where the CH comes from, but I, I assume Zurich has something to do with it. Check. I had some great times right. in Zurich. It's a good city. Wait, I'm so Zurich. stupid. Did I say check? They spelled it with a CZ. I'm dumb. Anyway. All right. Hey. Well, what's up? No, I was just going to wrap us up. I was going to say, go check out Zurich. Go check out Laguano in Switzerland. And while you're there, grab a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. That's all we've got. All right, plebs. Also, last thing, again, super important about the show, why we hear and why we do what we do, because we are saying the quiet parts out loud. And like and subscribe, smash that like button. Yeah. And like those quiet parts. Make those quiet, but yeah, hit those quiet parts so they say it really loud. And and we're gonna start a campaign to get Phil off of Fiat, uh, because the more successful the podcast is, then uh, maybe Phil could do this as his full time job. And um, and for those of you that like a boy named Sue, uh, he can be all to you. You can have all to yourself. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll catch all. you guys next week. <laughs>